Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, June the 8th. And tributes have been paid to a young couple who died in a crash near Ashford. Earlier this week, we told you about the collision that happened in Woodchurch on Monday. Josh Alexander, who was 21, and 18-year-old Jessica Poole were killed when the Vauxhall Corsa they were in collided with a truck on Plurendon Road. Well, Kate joins me now with more on this one. And it's emerged, Kate, they were expecting a baby. That's right. They'd shared the news that they were due to welcome a baby boy in November. Josh worked at Tenterton Leisure Centre and has been described as a young man who brought the best out of everyone. His friend Ben has posted on Facebook, I have never met someone just as amazing, honest, kind and hardworking as you are. Jessica's friends have also been paying tribute. One says, it was an honour to have known you. Fly high, sweetheart. The pair, who lived in Hastings, died at the scene of the crash near the junction with Bethesden Road. Crash investigators are still urging any witnesses or drivers with dash cam footage to get in touch. Kate, thank you ever so much. You can also read those tributes by heading to the story today at Kent Online. Kent Online News. Next, and a Kent aid worker says he fears for people in villages in southern Ukraine which have flooded following an explosion which destroyed a dam. Low-lying areas in Kurzon have been left underwater since the blast. Russia and Ukraine are blaming each other. Well, Brian Grove from Sittingbourne is currently collecting aid for those affected and he sent us this for today's podcast. I spent... Christmas, New Year and much of January in the villages which are now affected by this awful uh, catastrophe. I've got no way of knowing how many of the people I met in those villages are homeless, how many are even still alive, uh, because communications down there are very, very difficult. One thing I do know is there are so many things which are needed right now. In particular, things like water pumps, tubing, filtering for water because drinking water is completely contaminated. There's people have been forced out of their homes yet again with nothing. So clothes, basic medicines, basic things to help them survive, hygiene products, everything that you can imagine that you would need if you suddenly end up out of your home. Uh, no warning, uh, which is what's happened again. Again, we also need things like cages to rescue pets because Ukrainians, like the British, are very much animal lovers and there's lots and lots of animals there that people are trying to rescue. All of those things are really needed. The most important thing is things to purify water, even things like water purifying tablets. The only problem is they are needed now, not in a week's time, not in a month's time. They're needed right now and we're trying to source them in nearby countries like Slovakia because all of the ones in Ukraine already been shipped out to places like Kherson. Those villages are basically, they're low-lying villages. I was there over Christmas and the first part of January. They're mostly populated by elderly people who were not allowed to leave by the Russians when they took over. And uh, it's not a military area. These are civilians being deliberately targeted yet again. And um, ironically, when the 
dam was built by the Russians years ago, it caused major ecological disasters. Well, now they're causing another one. And um, only time will tell how long, if ever, um, the ecology of the area will take to recover. Over 200 square miles of land is now submerged, damaging homes and nearby fields. Kent Online News. A man who now lives in Canterbury has been jailed for three years after sexually assaulting a girl when she was just 12 years old. The 19-year-old was found guilty of carrying out the attack in Scotland last year. He's since moved to Kent to stay with his grandparents. He says he was under the influence of drink and drugs at the time. He's been placed on the sex offenders register indefinitely. Elsewhere, a man's doing court accused of inappropriately touching a child who got into a car in Folkestone to help with directions. It happened in the Cheriton part of town over the weekend. A 72-year-old from Lyd is also charged with breaching a sexual risk order. Two teenagers accused of sexually assaulting a woman at her home in Gillingham are due back in court. We're not allowed to name the 17-year-olds who are from Sittingbourne and Canterbury because of their age. The alleged attack is said to have happened earlier this month. Neither have entered a plea yet. A debate on the illegal migration bill has gone on through the night in the House of Lords, with some branding it a disgrace. The proceedings started at about three yesterday afternoon and came to a close just after four this morning. Well, the bill would see anyone who arrives in Kent by small boat unable to claim asylum here. However, critics say it's disgraceful. Such important issues are being dealt with in such a way. Well, the last time the House sat so late was during votes over Brexit. Now, a campaign has started in Medway to try and crack down on people who park illegally or inconsiderately outside schools. The idea is to keep cars away from schools at peak times so it's safer for pupils and parents to walk. There's also going to be a consultation on plans to ban cars from outside some schools altogether during the morning and afternoon rush. It would happen at 11 schools in the towns and you've got until June the 25th to have a say. Well, I've been speaking about it too. Councillor Tris Osborne, who heads up community safety and enforcement at the authority. I'm a school teacher, so I experience it as well. Um, and one of the big issues raised uh, from parents was around parking and transport for their children in the morning, the chaos sometimes at school run times. And this proposal, this scheme is designed to work with other schemes to actually make this a safer experience for our children uh, and also teachers and parents as well who are trying to get access. Um, it promotes uh, well-being as well because it encourages people to walk to school or find other types of transport and generally makes the safer streets, which after all is what everyone will be supporting in terms of child safety. So how are you trying to get the message across? Because in particular, you're, you're targeting people who might have parked perhaps illegally or just really inappropriately near a school that's causing a bit of a hazard. How are you going to target them with this message? So we are working with our children to design posters. Um, in addition to that, we're working alongside our uh, enforcement team to create effectively uh, reline some of these areas to make it clear where parents can park, drop off points, um, and we will be looking at enforcement mechanisms as well around unsafe driving near schools, which potentially puts children at risk. I guess we have to appreciate that not everyone lives right near a school. They can't walk the entire distance. So what would your advice be for those who, who perhaps still do want to, to be safe around the school and, and maybe get that exercise as well? What would you encourage them to do? If you live within a mile of a school, uh, walking to school is perfectly reasonable. Uh, and certainly when I was at school, I used to do that myself. 
Um, and uh, But for longer drivers, uh, you might want to car share, for instance, with other uh, school students that might be attending the same school. Many of uh, those children will have friends, they might live in the locality, and you might want to think about that. Um, second of all, the schools might want to work with their parents through the governing body to designate car drop-off points, um, to ensure that where they are dropping off their children, there is their safety. Um, and, and also, thirdly, it's just around ensuring there's a wider education, um, potentially also around safety issues that our kids need to be aware of. Now, how to cross the road properly, um, how to work with moving traffic. And I know also to coincide with this, there's a consultation going on about perhaps a slightly bigger project that would be an extension to this where literally cars would be stopped from driving down roads by schools at certain times of the day. I can see that that for some might be a little controversial, but um, what are you hoping to get from that consultation? It's running for the next couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, certainly is. We, we have a number of pilot schools that we are considering and we've announced that publicly. Um, this is a pilot scheme and actually it's a scheme which has been implemented in London and, and actually in the United States and Canada as well. And it seemed to have really positive outcomes because it changes behaviours. So these schools are working with us uh, and the children are working with us as well to design, um, as I say, posters that are safe for schools measures. But the cameras and the lines will be placing outside of schools in designated times will ensure that we don't have dangerous driving or malicious parking occurring. And I think what parents need to be aware of, this isn't designed to catch people out. What it's designed to do is ensure our kids' safety, um, because ultimately some of the driving we're seeing outside of schools and parking is not appropriate. It's parking on lines which have been designated for buses and other uh, school staff. So it's already wrong. Um, and what we're trying to do is, is police this better and ensure we have designated drop-off points and also education for our kids to ensure that their safety is paramount. We all know how built up Medway is. There's an awful lot of houses and roads around schools. Some people may say, well, if you stop cars going down a certain road for an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon, you're just going to move that traffic problem a little bit further away into other nearby roads. What would yeah. you say to that? Well, this is why we're working with schools and governing bodies to identify the most appropriate drop-off points Many of the schools on the pilots have very narrow roads or T-junctions gaining access to them, which causes particular pinch points. So we will be working with each and every school because everyone has a different location to identify the best. And also we will be responsive. So if we find that there are parking challenges elsewhere nearby to those schools, we will have to take that into account. Hence the pilot nature of this scheme. So we don't say that this is permanent. Um, there might be some changes if the pilot scheme doesn't work. But overall, we've seen from London and other cities around the, uh, in North America in particular, this scheme does work. It improves safety. It reduces accidents. And more importantly, our kids are safer when they leave school and arrive in the morning. Now, some of you have been letting us know what you think about this story online today. One comment says, with a never-ending increase in population numbers in Kent and unchecked building, we need to move towards a system of increased public transport and banning cars near towns now. It's impossible to get anywhere in Kent. I'd like to know what you think about that one. Another commenter has said, I worked in a school in East Ham and we joined the Healthy School Streets programme a few years ago. In all honesty, it transformed the 
start and end of the school day. No traffic, no parental rows over cars, a calm start to the day and along with the walk to school scheme being pushed, many more families realise they could easily walk the 123 metres from their home to school. Another commenter has added, if people cannot see where this is leading, they need to open their eyes. It won't stop at schools. If the council was that concerned, how about making sure all schools offer a bus service to those that cannot walk or cycle to school? And finally, another commenter has added, my kid's school is signed up. Roads outside are hectic, so I welcome it. It may cause issues slightly further away, but I can take a different walking route to avoid them, which I can't do when it's outside the gates. Well, we'd still like to know what you think today. You can leave a comment on the story itself or by heading to our socials. Kent Online reports. Talks are set to take place to try and avert strikes by refuse workers in part of Kent. GMB union members in Dover and Folkestone have voted to walk out in a dispute over pay. There are fears that that could lead to a summer of rubbish piling up on the streets unless a deal can be reached with bosses Violia. The first heat health alert of the summer has been issued. It covers the southeast and runs from nine tomorrow morning till the end of Monday. Temperatures in the county could get close to 30 degrees over the weekend. The owner of a Kent Wildlife Park is helping to hand rear two lion cubs following the death of their mum. Grace passed away shortly after giving birth at Howlett's near Canterbury. Damien Aspinall says he'll do his best to keep Zemo and Zala alive. You can see incredibly cute pictures of them by heading to Kent Online. Now, this is one of our most read stories on the website today. A village pub that was forced to close during the pandemic has reopened after a £150,000 revamp. The Royal Oak in Merzham, which is Grade 2 listed, has been empty since October 2020. It's now been taken over by Kim and Robert Garrett. And even better news, up to 12 jobs have been created by the reopening with a majority of staff employed locally. Well, Kim has been chatting to our reporter, Leanne Castle. We bought it outright and decided that we would convert it into a pub back to its original. Started working on it, worked all the way through, had tradesmen in it, um, it was an old hall house, and you, you'll know the bits and pieces on the history of it. Three cottages, goes, dates back to, part of it dates back to about 12th century, but it was built mostly the 1500s. So it's probably a, the oldest one. I think it's older than the farriers down the road, this, this, this one. It was quite a hub of the community as well, I believe. Um, we're getting lots of regulars, lots of locals. Um, and then we decided that we opened, we was put back a bit by about two months due to tradesmen, due to the, the holidays, um, getting the tradesmen, materials have gone through the roof, looking out, we did a lot of work ourselves. We've got family in the, in the, in the trade and the business, so we picked all the colours, done all the interiors ourselves, didn't rely. Had, we're in the industry, so we've used a lot of the interior people who we've known over the years in the pub game. So we use them for the furnishings. Um, kept re kept the ragstone floor, kept all its beams. Haven't taken anything out. It's just a little bit smaller, obviously, because we're waiting on planning for the house next door. Um, and then opened it on the 11th of May. Do food every single day. We're open every single day. I know a lot of pubs are closing Mondays and Tuesdays. I don't really know why, to be fair. Um, but we're, we're, they say it's staffing, but 
I can't see that. We, we're coping with it. So basically, the, all the times of the food, and we do pizzas, we do traditional food. You can go really fancy if you want, which we can do later on, do add specials and things like that. But we're doing a basic menu, good cooking, like your traditional ploughmans, your pies, your ham, egg and chips, your traditional pub grub. But I think you've got to be a good pub. You've got to be good. You've got to be open at time. You have to be consistent. If you say you're going to open your times, 12 till 3, 6 till not food, you've got to be open. You can't, if you're quiet at night, it gets really quiet sometimes, 10 o'clock, and you shut. And people just shut their pubs up at half, 9, 10 o'clock. Well, that's not consistent because on the way back, they're not going to call in. The tennis club are not going to come in because you shut at 9. Now you're going to know you're going to shut at half, 9. So we've opened and it's been quite successful from there, really. And you can see pictures of the pub within Leanne's story today. Kent Online reports. A ship that helped destroy enemy boats during the First World War is set to be scrapped unless £100,000 can be raised to restore it. HMS President is currently moored at Chatham Docks and has been described as a national treasure. Medway's MPs have even been contacted in a last-ditch bid to see if funding can be made available. A man who's running the length of the UK coast has arrived in Folkestone to mark World Ocean Day. Luke Douglas home is doing the challenge to raise awareness of plastic pollution in the seas. He started in November 2021 and this is the 30th leg of his journey. It also sees him clock up 600 kilometres. There are plans to open a quirky glamping site near Canterbury offering stays in a double-decker bus or Romani-style wagon. Plans have been put in for land in Chartham. It's being described as a back-to-nature retreat and people living nearby say it would be a good use of the site. Elsewhere, three new nature reserves have been approved for Maidstone by Natural England. They cover Allington Millennium Green, Fant and the combined site of Weavering Heath, Five Acre and Wentzwood. The authorities say they're committed to providing places for nature to thrive. Now, as Pride Month continues across Kent, we've been finding out about one of the new events happening in the county this year. For the first time, there'll be a Pride in Deal. There'll be a march through the town, followed by events on Walmer Green. Sasha Wiltshire has been speaking to Peter Stiles Martin, who's one of the organisers. It's our first uh, Pride event and there's seven of us that got together over the course of the last 12 months and um, we we realised that there was um, a need for more inclusion and diversity in Deal. Deal is really inclusive anyway and for someone like me who's grown up in Deal being um, a gay man, I've felt very included in the community but that's not always been the case. And I know plenty of people who don't feel included in various different groups. So we felt that it was um, the right time to perhaps celebrate what we have in the town, but also helping to promote um, a safe space for others um, and for everyone to feel like they're part of something and part of a community. And why did you guys decide to start with a march? I think the march is quite crucial. Um, there are still many problems that the LGBTQIA plus community faces. I feel very lucky, but lots of people are not very lucky. So it's still very important that we protest that there's still a long way to go. We live in a country that's uh, very inclusive. There are still lots of problems. And you only have to look in the news at the moment where, where there are issues in Uganda, for example, just being yourself in Uganda could actually be quite um, deathly. You, they, they are given the death penalty for anyone who would want to be themselves. 
Um, Russia, for example, the issues that they're having there, trying to stop pe people from being themselves. And even in the Western world, uh, in Florida, for example, you're not even allowed to um, promote the LGBT community in the way that you would normally be able to um, because of new laws that are uh, put in place. So there are places where we're going backwards. So it's still important to have a march so that people feel that there, are, there is a voice. People are standing up to be included. Um, we don't want to be shut away. And it's not a choice being the way um, we live our lives. It is part of our life. So we don't want to be shut away and we all want to still be included. So the march is still very, very important uh, part of the Pride movement. And although June is Pride Month, the event in Deal will be taking place in July. Finally, Carl Kennedy from Neighbours is going to be in Kent tonight. Alan Fletcher, who played the soap's famous doctor, is bringing his one-man show to the Hazlitt in Maidstone. He'll be talking about his three decades on the programme. Kent Online Sports. Cricket and it's another T20 blast defeat for Kent, I'm afraid. They were beaten by four wickets by Essex in Canterbury last night. The Spitfires won the toss and chose to bat first before posting 150 for eight. A Sam Cook hat-trick helped Essex over the line. They closed on 155 for six. It's a fifth consecutive loss for Kent in the competition. They'll be hoping to bounce back against Hampshire tomorrow. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.